On this week's episode of Read, Watch, or DNF, we kick off Mystery May with none other than the queen of mystery herself, Agatha Christie, and the most whodunit of whodunits, and then there were none, in the 2015 miniseries adaptation. And we asked the question, did Hollywood not think there was enough going on in this story that they felt the need to slip in a sexy scene? I guess also, not. Also, yeah. yeah. Let's get naked. We're, somebody's killing us, but let's get naked. Also, what the actual F with Ag- was Agatha Christie smoking when she originally titled this novel? And then there were none is not the first title of this book. Not even Ugh. the second. No. <laughs> Content warning for this episode. We'll be touching on topics such as suicide, police brutality, medical malpractice, possible hate crimes, racially insensitive and anti-Semitic language, and the deaths of several children. Welcome back, everyone. We are kicking off Mystery May, and we are hyped for the plot twist. There's no author more deserving to lead us off this month than Miss Agatha Christie herself. And we chose her masterpiece entitled And Then There Were None, which is the world's best-selling mystery novel out there. The world. In any language. As always... Please follow, like, share, rate, review, maybe even check us out on social media, the Twitter, the Instagram, the Facebook, all under Read, Watch, DNF, because this week we are dedicating our F-bombs to two people that are helping us with our production here. One is Mr. Tate Bailey from Tate Bailey Productions. He's going to help us actually edit our stuff so we don't sound completely inadequate because it's just me cutting and splicing i don't even think those are the right words i think you've done a phenomenal job up to this point it's a pretty decent it gets it on the table type job Mm -hmm. but it's uh it's not pretty so we're gonna see what mr tate can do for us so thank you mr tate our f-bombs are dedicated to you and miss marina corsini who is actually helping us with our social media uh, I know some of you are following us already. Um, we are two full-time working moms that uh, we're not terrible at the social media, but um, we're tired. And I will say I'm old, so my grasp of the social media is lacking. I will say this. Jackie is better at the Facebook than I am. So Tate and Marina, thank you for the help. We're going to see how this goes this week. Um, and if it goes badly, then, uh, you know, we just won't talk about it anymore. But I, <laughs> I, I have high hopes. I, I'm sure it won't go badly. No, it's going to be amazing. Yep. Anyway, we ready to talk about what we're drinking? Of course, always. Fantastic. Jackie, what are you drinking? I am drinking Stella Artois because it's fancy beer. It's got a little wrap around the cap, and you need a bottle opener to get into it. So, obviously, it's fancy. Because we have people in a mansion on an island off the coast of Devon, so... Yeah, and they're getting all dressed up for dinner. Yeah, tuxedos and everything. As much as I would like to be a part of that, get fancy for dinner, I also don't want to be because it just sounds exhausting it requires way too much effort if you have to get somebody to come into the room with you so that you can change yeah it's too much 
But then again, if somebody else is doing the work for you, maybe it's okay. I just don't like people too much, so I don't want yeah, fair anybody enough, fair in there when I'm getting dressed. So <laughs> Get out! What are you drinking, Mel? I uh, I am drinking these little mini sparkling pink Moscatos. Um, they are like fake fancy, but I'm trying because I've spent the last few weekends trying to get rid of those um, god-awful raspberry Smirnoff ices. Mm. Smirnoff ices. Uh, they were fucking awful. The uh, just they tasted like um what's a good way oh like sweet cough syrup oh Ugh. yeah yeah that's what they tasted like so i did that for everyone listening uh you're fucking welcome so i'm you know i'm not gonna lie these are not bad but they're they're barefoot bubblies they're not they're not expensive either they're cheap but they're they're definitely a step up they're also I just looked at this. I was showing Jackie. It's 9.5% for these little bottles. Yeah, and I told like Mel. Like the alcohol itself. Yeah, and I told Mel that I had to drink two beers to get up to that. And yeah, I have, I think. <laughs> yeah, or more. She's, she's far surpassed that. Don't let her fool you. I'm, no, uh, I'm not yeah. even trying to fool you. It's it. I'm way past that. Yeah, she's gone by the end of this recording. We have no idea what Jackie's talking about. It's okay. Mm-hmm. So I think those raspberry Smirnoffs, I keep calling them Smirnoffs too. <laughs> They're not I'm sorry. I just ate them so much. Smirnoffs. Uh, You've spent too much time with Nick. Yeah. Or Jelena. Schmear. Schmear. Anyway. Anyway. Those Smirnoffs. They were like, what, 2% or something stupid. I felt like they, I felt like I was, actually, I think I would have gotten more drunk if I were to have drank cough syrup. Probably. Yeah. So I had to just like chug like, like three of them within, and never mind. I don't still want to talk about it. Anyway, so I, uh, that's what I'm drinking because I'm trying to come back. I'm trying to have a fancy comeback. And I felt like fancy dinner parties, there's always champagne. Um, this is not champagne, but it's bubbly, so it's close enough. Yeah. Right? I think so. I will agree okay. with that. You know, we do love a good drinking game, and we try to find one each week. This week, we've let you down. But, but, we created our own. I like it. So here are, yeah, here are our rules for Agatha Christie's, and then there were none. But the 2015 miniseries, because there are a couple, there are several adapt- adaptations of this, and we this one's slightly different, so just follow along. First rule, drink anytime the poem is on screen or someone recites a portion of it. Poem, rhyme, nursery rhyme, whatever you want to call it. If you see it or somebody starts talking about it, drink. It's usually Vera. Yes. Take a shot whenever a body is found. So you're gonna get it. You're gonna get a couple. We're not gonna spoil it yet. We are going to spoil this. Just so you know, if you have not read it or watched any of the adaptations and you're interested, probably do that first and then come back because we're gonna spoil the shit out of this. Okay. Third rule: keep drinking until a flashback is over. So once it starts, get your drink up there and don't stop until it's over. Next. Take a drink anytime Philip and Vera look at each other. That's a lot. It's a lot. 
Mm-hmm. It's weird, too. We're going to talk about that. Drink when any character takes a drink. They're all drinking to start, but then they start getting freaked out and stressed out, and they just start drinking more. So, so join in. Join in on that fun. Especially the scene towards the end when... Yeah, the remaining individuals decide to just yes. you know what, Evan, we're debauchery. Yep. And then finally, chug your drink during the big reveal. So you have. Oh, to, and you'll know. Yeah, and you have to have a big drink because that you goes on for make a sure while. You have a full drink. Yeah. Chug. Okay. Let's get into who read what first, who watched first, because we all know we we swap. To see if it affects our, uh, our, you know, our review of it. I watched first this week. I watched the 2015 miniseries. And it's only available on Acorn TV. Like, you can buy it outright on Apple or Amazon, I think. Um, but if you want to watch it free, which I actually took the extra 30 seconds this week to uh, get it free. Because mm-hmm. you know me, I cave usually and get it on Apple. So, actually, Apple's the one that was like, nah, bitch, just get the trial. (laughs) You don't need to buy this, you bougie bitch. Anyway, so, I I had a seven-day free trial for Acorn Acorn, Acorn TV through Apple. Uh, Acorn TV is like a British streaming service, or is it a network or something? Yeah, it's a British streaming service. You can get other British miniseries and series on there and stuff like that. Yeah. There's that. I know my mom does acorn tv because she watches all kinds of british murder mystery series oh yeah yeah so if you're into it go for it and actually both of our husbands were like hey what's on there i want to try it out so yeah we'll see what happens with that so i did that um i read the mass market paperback because you know i love a good Paperback or hardcover. It is the uh, 300-page one that was published March 29th of 2011 by Harper, which I assume is a uh, publication company. Yes. Like yes. Harper, Harper Collins and... Yeah. Oh, see, Jackie knows more than me, and I'm the one trying to get a master's in this. Okay, cool. <laughs> I'll help you if you need it. Okay, thank you. I don't think you do, thank though. You. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. But I do love this cover because it's, you know, Agatha Christie. Then at the top, it says the queen of mystery. And then at the bottom where it says the title under it, it gives you that previously published as 10 Little Indians, which was another title mm-hmm. at some point in history. Yeah. But not the only one, <sighs> which we'll get into. Don't worry. Yeah. Jackie. I read on Kindle. Uh, The only publication information I could find was that it was published in 1939. It was 251 pages. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's Kindle. So it also, (laughs) I think it might have been actually published digital right before, um, I think, I can't remember if it was Murder on the Orient Express came out, the movie, or Death on the Nile. Because it gave you a little excerpt from one of those books at the end which I just skipped over. Oh, okay. Yeah, and for those of you who are wondering, we wanted to do Agatha Christie, but I have a strong aversion to Kenneth Branagh because he always seems to make everything about himself, regardless if he's in a secondary role, tertiary role, whatever. But everything ends up being about him, so I don't like to watch his movies, but it's whatever. 
And then he doesn't even like being in those other roles, so he just takes over and directs and produces. And, and writes and everything. It's, dude, sit down. I he He's probably a very smart and wonderful human being, but I don't have any desire to watch his movies. He's obnoxious. Yeah. Uh, and I watched on Steven's free Acorn TV trial because Mel signed him up for it on Amazon. So Yeah, mine had run out. Yeah. So we needed another one. Meh, it's whatever. <laughs> whatever. All right, let's talk about the book that we've, uh, we're really excited about. So, and then there were none. This is the description. And so if you go to the back of the book, um, this is what it says. It goes... 10. 10 strangers are lured to an isolated island mansion off the Devon coast by a mysterious U.N. Owen. 9. At dinner, a recorded message accuses each of them in turn of having a guilty secret. And by the end of the night, one of the guests is dead. 8. Stranded by a violent storm and haunted by a nursery rhyme counting down one by one, one by one, they begin to die. 7. Who among them is the killer and will any of them survive? So it was first published uh, in the United Kingdom by the Collins Crime Club on 6 November 1939. But the thing is, (laughs) it was not first published as and then there were none. I am about to give you the title without fully saying it. So everyone hold on to your seats. If you didn't know already, the original title of this novel was Ten Little N-Words. Mm-hmm. Ten Little N-Words. And it was named after the children's counting rhyme and minstrel song. Um, and it was written by Frank Green in 1869. So I think we can all sort of deduce um, what happened there. Mm-hmm. And actually, you know, I was looking it up. There are still French public, like French language publications of this that uh, still go by that title. Ew. Yeah. Um, but it was not released in the United States under that name, even at that time. They named it. Um, actually, they did name it. And then there were none first. And then they changed it to 10 Little Indians to make it closer because the UK was still calling it the other name. So uh, between 16, no, 16, 1964 and 1986, the book was titled 10 Little Indians. And then after that, they re-released it um, to the mass market paperback under, uh, and then there were none. So it went awful name to very decent, adequate name, uh, to not as decent and adequate name, back to decent and adequate name. Because, and then there one on is the last five words in the, the poem. So the poem itself, I, I guess you don't want to call it a poem. It's a, it's a rhyme, like a nursery rhyme or a minstrel, for technically speaking. Well, according to Miss Brent in the series, it's not a poem because it's not uplifting. Yeah, and it's a dog roll. Yeah. Anyway, Miss Brent. So if you look it up by Frank Green, 1869, it's going to give you the original wording of it. 
Um, and it's slightly different, but I think it's about 90% the same. You just change out one word for the other because it's either 10 little bad word, 10 little Indians, or 10 little soldiers. So in this book, the current publication of this book, if you were to go and buy it off any Barnes and Noble or bookstore or like, you know, an ups, like a decent bookstore, not your underground. I just want to, just want to be clear. Okay. Any of your commercial bookstores. Bookstores it's be that are the, not selling Mein Kampf or something like yes, that. Yes. Yes. So um, if you go to those, you're going to get the, and then there were none, which inside will have the poem written as 10 little soldiers. So before I said this is the uh, most famous best-selling mystery novel of any language in the world, it's actually also the sixth best-selling novel of all in the world, any language. So, okay, and I say novel because people are like, but what about the Bible? Yes, no, the Bible's still up there. We're not talking, that's, that's different. That's not a novel. This is a list that is just novels, anything that's categorized as a novel. It is the sixth best-selling novel in the world, any language. It's only beat out by Don Quixote. I don't know how to say this title. It's a Chinese title. It's like Xinhua Zidian, which is probably not how you say it at all. Um, but this book is also known for like the birth of the Chinese alphabet too. Oh, okay. So it's, it's, it's a lot older. It's very, very famous, um, but they consider it a novel. Then Tale of Tool Cities. A Tale of Two Cities, The Lord of the Rings, and Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Those are the only novels that beat out this one. Jeez. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Okay. So for the 2015 miniseries, if you go to IMDb or if you go to Acorn TV or, or whatever and you look up the summary of it, this is what it says. It's 1939 and Europe teeters on the brink of war. Ten strangers are invited to Soldier Island an isolated rock near the Devon coast in southern England. Cut off from the mainland with their generous hosts, Mr. and Mrs. U.N. Owen, mysteriously absent, they are each accused of a terrible crime. As members of the party start to die one by one, the survivors realize that one of them is a killer and start to turn on each other. So look this up. There are actually 13 screen adaptations of this novel. That's a lot. Do any Shakespeare plays have that many? <sighs> So I think if we're talking strictly adaptations, meaning like plays, musicals, except maybe, maybe. Uh, but this is like strictly screen adaptation. So basically either TV or film. Mm -hmm. I want to say uh, maybe. What did Little Women, didn't Little Women have a lot? Yeah, but I don't think it had 13. Yeah, it had some weird stuff like musicals. Mm -hmm. But anyway... We digress. 13 is a lot. Mm -hmm. And it was only, it was written in 1939. We'll publish in 1939. So it's not as old as some of the other ones. Funny, I, I, I put this uh, fact in here as I was doing my research and pulling up some stuff. And this caught me off guard because I had to stop and think if I remember this. Because it says there are only seven seconds in which all ten all 10 main characters are in the same room. And you know what? I read that and I was thinking to myself, how can that possibly be right? Because they were at dinner for a while, but then I remembered that Rogers wasn't in the room the whole time. Yeah. that's Or Mrs. Rogers. Because yeah. Mrs. Rogers and Mr. Rogers were never in the room with them at the same yeah. time. 
So she was either cooking. Yeah. Yeah, So there must be like when I think when the um, announcement goes Mm -hmm. out, then they all kind of go to the room together. That's probably one of the only times. Yeah, because she she wasn't even in the room when the announcement first started playing. Yeah. If she. But they carry because Mr. Rogers carries her yes. out. When she, yes. So she's unconscious. So here it is. I don't think there's even one second where they're all conscious in the same room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because she was in a different room and then he carries her and they're all in that entryway, the foyer or foyer. Yeah. And I was trying to think if foyer, foyer, foyer. Um, I don't even think in the book they're all in the same room ever. That would require going back and looking at it again. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot but now that I think about it, I, I I think that might be accurate. It's crazy. All right, let's get into the reviews. This is our favorite part where we uh we do some research, find out what our fellow readers out there are thinking. I found some gems. Jackie? I found some absolute gems. <laughs> you know how we're always complaining about reviews being way too long? I found some people who are probably my favorite reviewers. But getting into Goodreads, uh, overall, it had a 4.27 out of 5. There were over a million ratings, but just around 46,000 reviews. So 46,000 out of that 1 million ratings decided to take the time to actually put some text in there. 50% were 5 out of 5. 32% 32% were 4 out of 5, 12 were 3 out of 5, 2, 2 out of 5, and 1, 1 out of 5. So it, I think it kind of goes with the, the overall rating. Yeah, people like oh, this. Yeah. But I think it might be another Little Women situation where people are afraid mm. to say they don't like it. But the ones who are brave enough, they will just flat out throw it out there. Yeah, possibly. I mean, if you think about it, it's... Over a million. Okay, so if we think about this, there's an over a million ratings, and one percent or two percent—that's still a large number of people that are saying that they don't like it. Because you got two uh, percent is two out of five, and one percent is one out of five. So three percent of over a million. Yeah, that's that's a that's lot. A lot of know? people. So, yeah. Okay, so the first one I found was a five out of five, and this person absolutely loved it. There were some exclamation points in there and stuff like that. Mm. So they said doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results is the definition of insanity, according to Einstein. Oh, I like that they put the Einstein yeah. in there because I hate when people are like, it's a definition. I'm like, no, it's not. You fucking retard. According to Excuse a us. person. But let me tell you something. I'm rereading this book for 10th time. So they forgot a, the fourth the tenth time and each time Mm. i read i love it more and catch another detail and change my thoughts about some of the characters it's getting better like aged wine exclamation point (laughs) so if it makes you insane to enjoy this book over and over again i happily accept this definition as another personality trait so this person is insane in their love for this book aged wine how many times did they they said ten tenth yeah ten times you know, this is a quick, it's a, I, I thought it was a quick and easy read. I could probably read it again. I don't know if I'd read it 10 times unless somebody made me. This is one of those things that's going to sit on my Kindle shelf and I'm mm-hmm. going to have nothing else to do. And I'll just be like, mm-hmm. hmm, 
I'll read that again. Hmm. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, I, I would read it again yeah. for sure. I don't know about 10, but maybe one more time. Yeah. Or two, you know. Okay, so this next rating or review kind of confused me a little bit. <laughs> three out of five. You could say the same thing. Yeah. Three out of five. That was really short and confusing. Just like your review. Yeah. <laughs> that was really no short. No punctuation, no expl- explanation, nothing. Fantastic. Yep. And this one, even though it doesn't really jive with my ultimate review of the book, I kind of get where they're coming from. It's a one out of five. Mm. It says, I was supposed to care when the people started dying, right? Well, I didn't. Quite frankly, every single character in this book is extremely dull, and not surprisingly, the book overall is a snooze fest. I did not care who was murdering them. Uh, Clearly, they were being killed for issues in their past that the murderer feels angered by. And then in parentheses, how dare you cause deaths? I shall kill you in return. Makes sense. Sure. In the very beginning, I was intrigued by Soldier Island, but when everyone comes together, it is glaringly clear that they are all a bore and the book was not going to improve. Overall, I felt like I was reading the game Clue. This may make a decent movie, although if I would even sit through that two hours is questionable. One may exist, I don't know. I cared so little, I never bothered to check. I doubt I will be reading another Agatha Christie novel as this is touted as one of her better ones and I was bored to tears. Eesh. Okay, um, I, I would just like to point out that they said reading the game Clue. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wonder if they understand that that game is based on... But anyway, I digress. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. The themes, the same thoughts occurred to me while I was reading that review. That's why I had to include it. And people who don't know, I just, I just, it baffles me how people put these reviews in there and they make these sweeping statements mm-hmm. without actually figuring out what the actual case is. And I love how they said uh, clearly they were being killed for issues in their past, but that's what. That's I, the whole point. Yeah. And then you're learning what they did in their past, and it's not parking ticket stuff. Mm-hmm. This is, they didn't run a red light. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> you know, I never want to like judge reviews too hard because it is a personal reflection on some, it's an opinion. But I will say this to all the reviewers out there if you are going to review something that, you are trying to persuade other people to think like you, maybe make the decision based off your comments. Um, Do better. Do better. Just a little bit. Yeah, I don't know why I'm so angered. I'm not, okay, you know what? I'm not really angered by this one. I'm just reading it and I'm thinking, you're stupid. You're so stupid. Because you make statements like, well, obviously they did something in their past. I just go, ugh. You living under a rock buffoon. That's what it makes me think. Well, anyway. The whole recording that is played at the beginning when they are all done with dinner and sitting around and the indictments are read, that is the setoff point of the whole plot. Like that is why they are there. Yeah. So and the and it's such like a what do I how do I say this? It's a very straightforward story. Like there's Agatha Christie is not one to do um 
all this extra detail. You're not getting lost in, de- in descriptions. You're not learning the names of each individual blade of grass, mm-hmm. like some authors out there. So there's not a lot to distract you. And I, this is coming from someone myself who is very easily distracted, very easily. And this book kept me engaged the whole time. So I, I feel I feel sorry for this person because it sounds like they were just super distracted. And I don't want to know what it's like to live in your brain. Yeah, they didn't get the point of the book to begin with. And it's it's one of those things where you go into it, you know what's going to happen. You know everybody is going to die or you think that everybody's going to mm-hmm. die. It's just what order and what method. So that's mm-hmm. why you're reading it. And then the final review that I found was another 1.5. And the reason I picked this one is because they kind of did a play on the poem or whatever you want to call it. One little soldier boy out of five. uh, Ten uninteresting British people talk politely about murder for about 250 pages. What's the one little soldier boy out of five? That's their one star out of five. Oh, <laughs> I'm an idiot. I just like went on a rant about this other person being a fucking idiot, but I'm the idiot. You are not an idiot. I'm so stupid. I'm like, what's the one out of five? I don't get it. What is this? Who's the? F-? But the reason I picked that one was because so many of the reviews for High Fidelity were yeah, top yeah. five lists. So like, I gotta do this. Gotta do it. Oh, okay. Yeah. This is good. Yeah, this is good. <laughs> But I think that's kind of an accurate assessment. It's, I won't say that the characters are uninteresting. It's just like we were talking about. They're British. And and at the risk of going into my review a little bit, it was clinical in the book. Yeah. Yeah. There there was like, oh, there's a dead person. Okay, who's going to make tea? Yeah. Like, let's talk about what we do know. Okay, let's not let's not inject any hypotheticals. Yes. <laughs> There's no feeling here. They, no feeling. But they were they were so British about it. Cause you know if this were set in the United States, per se. It would be It would not be as Oh, com- it would be people running around like a million Dr. Armstrongs or Vera, depending on book or T V yeah. series. Actually, you know what? We do have American versions of this. They're called slasher films. That's how the Americans do this type of which, story. Which I don't watch. Yeah. Americans are like, well, you know, we don't really know who's doing it, but people are just going to show up with, like, you know, their guts falling yeah. out and their head happening. Saw. Hostile. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a slasher film. That's, a, that's the American version of, a, of an Agatha Christie <laughs> story. <laughs> so sad. Kind of. All right, let's talk about the miniseries reviews on IMDb. That is our source. And these are just the IMDb users. We never do critics because we don't give a fuck what they have to say about anything. This one got a 7.9 out of 10. And actually on IMDb, I saw that this is the aggregate score because each episode, the three episodes in the miniseries, um, have their own independent ones. Yeah, so 7.9 is the aggregate, um, I think the f- second episode may have been the highest. I just, I didn't write that down. Uh, but they have, each one has their own review. So 7.9 out of 10 for the whole miniseries. 
That is 37,927 last time I checked IMDb users. The highest score it got, or not the highest score, but the highest percentage of scores was 34.2%, and that's 8 out of 10. 10 out of 10s was at about 15%, and then 1 out of 10 was at 0.6%. So just like the book, it, it's higher in the, it has more higher ratings. All right, first one, 10 out of 10, title. In its grip till the very end. And then there were none held me in its grip till the final scene. And likely it will hold you as well. I don't think I need it to hold me. (laughs) I don't really want it to touch me. (laughs) No touching. I mean, okay, maybe maybe parts of it. No touching. Agatha Christie's novel serves as as a film source. Thank you for that information. Ten strangers assemble on an island and during the course of a few days, each meets his or her end. Of course, the question is, who done it? Is it one of the 10? Is it some 11th character unseen? Who's doing the doing? Or could it be something else? In fact, there is an answer. And unlike some mysteries, this one makes sense. Beautifully shot, paced, and acted by a great cast, a great piece of entertainment. You know what? I like this review. That's why I put it in here, clearly. Because it is concise. And it's like, it's one of those where they did better. They're showing you like how I liked a little bit. They're a bit dramatic, a little bit, a little bit feel, touchy feely there. Um, but it makes sense. They like if, I like the way it was shot. It had good pacing. It was a good cast. That's what people care about. And they didn't okay. feel the need but, to give you a whole rundown of the synopsis. Yeah, or a backstory of when they were a child and what trauma happened upon them, why it affected the way they took this movie. Why <laughs> they hate this show because or love this show because of their mother, you know. Yeah, there's surprisingly a lot of those type of reviews. Like we're not just pulling that out of our asses here. When we're reading reviews to to come up with what we're gonna put on this show, there's a lot of them. Like, well, my mom really liked it, so I don't, cause fuck my mom, or you know, or like when I was a kid, this was popular, but people used to make fun of me. So, so it's like really unrelated shit. Like Jesus, you have issues. This is a review page, not a shrink. So please. Okay. Five out of 10. So much wasted potential. If this were an original story, it would have been wonderful. However, since there is a source material, brilliantly written source material at that, I am very disappointed. The crimes of the guests and the manner the crimes were committed were all crucial to the plot. They were changed in this adaptation to a degree that is mind boggling. Also, the extra added romance is unnecessary. I think Jackie and I agree with yeah. that. We we don't say it's bad. It just was one of those scenes where like it just it's unnecessary. It's unnecessary. Mm-hmm. We don't need it. <laughs> there is so much different from the source material. It becomes a different story. I'm flummoxed. I love that by the amount of positive. I know. I'm flummoxed <laughs> by the amount of positive of positive reviews from people calling themselves fans of the book. If you don't care about adaptations staying true, you'll enjoy this. The sets are beautiful and the acting decent, but if you're a stickler, I'd skip it. So I like the fact that they're being honest. They're like, I love the book and this wasn't spot on, so I fucking hate it. I think this person needs to be a guest on our podcast. I like the way their review is written yeah. too. It makes it's clear, it's concise, yeah. it makes a little sense. Yeah. But they, they're honest about it. Like, hey, I, just, I don't like it because I like the book more. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so 
Obviously, we're going to get into this about the departures. There are a lot of things that they do change, which is strange, but I don't think it actually changes the plot. The only one that I was truly, truly confused by the change was uh, General MacArthur. Okay. All right. I mean, the Rogers is their whole thing because in the book, it's one thing in the show, it's another, but general MacArthur, Mm -hmm. that the way they portrayed it in the show makes him seem a lot more reactionary. Yeah. Cause yeah. And we're, you know what, we'll get into that in a minute, but I I agree with that. There were some changes they made definitely in this mini series that you're like, uh, okay. Yeah. All right. I mean, the end sure. result is the same, but the way they got there is yeah. totally different. And it speaks to the character, him or herself, about yeah. what they are like. Yeah, I agree. Last one. One out of ten. Very slow moving. This is a very, all caps, very slow moving adaptation that tries very hard to create an ominous atmosphere. As they say, less is more, and with this miniseries, I wish the dir- I wish the director had less indulged in meaningful looks, awkward entries, and mysterious <laughs> gestures. That I like. That's what mm-hmm. I think this. I'm like, you know what? You're right. An overloaded, convoluted adaptation and a trial for my patience. I feel sorry for anyone who watched this without having read the novel first. After this, I certainly would never touch an Agatha Christie novel. 30 minutes into the first part, my husband was completely confused and, okay, losing his patience, but they wrote losing, like, losing. Mm -hmm. This is so triggering to me. (laughs) I I cannot explain it. There's just something about, there's something about when people write lose and loose Mm -hmm. interchangeably. I, I become irrationally irate. I hate it. Like, there, your, all those, like, I won't correct you on that. But when I see a lose that's supposed to be a loose or a loose that's supposed to be a lose, I'm going to hurt your feelings. <laughs> anyway, my husband was completely confused and loosing his patience. And I, and I have read the novel and watched a previous adaptation. I can completely understand him. I feel the same, except angrier, about so cheaply serializing a good story for effect. In some too melodramatic, we gave up. So they didn't even finish it. Yeah, which, I mean, I guess at that point, you're like, well, I know how it ends, so. Yeah. <laughs> because I don't need to put myself through this anymore. They DNF'd it. They DNF'd the shit out of that miniseries. Which is not something that we do. I, I'm curious to look at some of these other adaptations, and I wonder if it's more of a, along the styles of, uh, like, the Orient Express or the new Nile one, where it's, it's dramatic, but it's cheesy at the same time. Maybe they like that. I don't. That's why I don't like either of those movies. And well, actually, I haven't seen The Nile, but I am not going to watch the new one just because I've seen um, Murder on the Orient Express and I can't. I'm not going to watch them just I can't because do it. of Kenneth Branagh. Fuck you, Kenneth. I'm sure he would never listen, but I'm sure you are a lovely, lovely human being, Kenneth. Or Mr. Branagh. Um, <laughs> sir <laughs> but I have no desire to watch your stuff mm. getting into the characters usually this is where Jackie uh, Jackie D and myself Mel B here we talk about who we believe the major characters are in the book versus the, the adaptation 
Uh, there's no difference here because the characters are the characters. Yep. They have the same names in the book as they do the adaptation, which I have a few notes later on where I, apparently some of the characters have changed over the time uh, through the publications, like through the actual novels. The characters have changed a little bit. I guess the fit better. In a, I, I don't know. I don't really know why they, people do this. I'm like, can you just leave her her work alone? But then it also... I guess she was kind of a racist and an anti-Semite, so maybe maybe things need to be changed a just little bit. A little. Not that any of that's funny. We're just Jackie and I giggle a lot. Anyway, these are the characters for the book and the show. We have Miss Vera Claythorne, Mister or not Mister because he's Justice Justice Lawrence Wargrave. Well, they do say Mister Justice Wargrave in the book. Do they really? Oh, they do. You're absolutely yeah. right. So I, I go back. Mr. Justice Lawrence Wargrave. But they don't say that in the show. They just call him Justice yeah. or Wargrave. Mr. Philip Lombard. Dr. Edward Armstrong. Detective Sergeant William Bloor. Miss Emily Brent. Mr. Rogers. General John MacArthur. And actually, during back in the... After it was first published for several decades it actually they changed his name because they didn't want people to get confused with the actual actual general General, macarthur general macarthur (laughs) from world war ii so they had changed i think it was like mcallister or mcclair or something like that not too far off but yes general john macarthur mrs rogers and anthony marston so this is one of those where the characters has changed a lot so it said character the character of anthony marston has previously been changed to a Russian prince in 1945, a pop singer in 1965, which is interesting because remember who they say in the book bought the island originally Mm -hmm. and was having parties out there was a like pop singer. So I wonder if that was a, you know, callback to this character or or if it's just maybe with the adaptation, they were trying to sway your opinion as to who was the, person behind all the murders thinking that okay it was yeah possibly I don't, a I don't know maybe it was him maybe it's him that's killing everybody yeah i don't know so uh 1965 pop singer and a french crooner in 1974 he wasn't named anthony marston um in the eight, 1989 version and this is the first so this one where the book we have right now is actually the first version where his victims are children so I'm interested to know what they were before, like in the older publications. Mm-hmm. But it's an interesting thing to change. Yeah. It anyway. Well, based on reading the book, it almost seemed like they were a couple that was out on the road or something. I don't I don't know if I read it wrong. Yeah. Uh not necessarily two siblings, like brother and sister who were eight mm-hmm. and nine years old, but maybe like two sweethearts or a couple, a young couple who happen to be out for a picnic or something. Oh, oh, you're saying like the crime's the same. It's just that they're children this yeah. time. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. That's probably what it is. Uh, yep. Yeah. So the the characters are the same from the book that we read to the miniseries. The names are the same. I would say the characterizations of them, their personality traits are necessarily the same because there's... That's things I was picking up in the show in the book where the way that they were personified was definitely mm-hmm. different. 
Um, like Vera Claythorne is a bit more, um, I would call her almost ditzy, but not like dumb. Like it's an act almost in the book. She's a little bit more upbeat. She wasn't so like solemn. But she also um, tends to freak out a little bit more in the book than she does in the show. Yeah, they make her seem like she's the one that's got it all together. Yeah. And almost like she's the main character. Yep. Which I'm like, eh, whatever. Between her and Philip in the show. Yeah. Yeah. And there's reasons for that, which we're going to get into. Okay, let's talk about the casting for this miniseries. We have Vera Claythorne. She is played by Maeve Germody? Dermody? Yeah. Dermody? Dermody? I don't know how to it's D-E-R-M-O-D-Y. Derm Dermody. Dermody. She's Australian. So I looked her up. I don't recognize her from anything, but on her IMD page, apparently there was a new version of the Secret Garden that she's hmm. in. You know how I, I think I picked that one for my birthday yep. month. I might maybe we'll do the new version, see what this adaptation is about. But I do love the original movie. Anyway, but she's in that, apparently. Um, I would say, like, uh, we were talking about, I think she's definitely more moody than the character is in the book, which kind of set me off a little bit when I started reading, finally, because, you know, when she's at the, what do you call it? The the guy who's like, oh, yeah, you're going to go be a secretary at this place, mm-hmm. you know, giving her the job offer. In the book, she's like, oh, oh, this is great. That's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's time to get to the sea. I'd like to have like some, you know, some beach time, whatever. But in the mo- in the show, she's like, oh, by the sea. No. Well, yeah. And they're, and they're trying like, to give you connections to her previous or her past. Uh, it's the whole, yeah. she hears the sea and then she automatically thinks of Cyril and Hugo and right. whatever. I think that's what that other review was saying. It was a bit melodramatic in the mm-hmm. show. It was, but it, it was, the, the mood's fine. Then we have uh, Justice Lawrence Wargrave, who is played by Charles Dance. Now I will say this. If you don't know who Charles Dance is, you've clearly been living under a rock. Without cable or streaming service, anything. Uh, but if you need a little help, like cough, cough. Tywin Lannister, ring a bell. Anyone? Game of Thrones? Tywin Lannister? He's a dick. And then, yeah, yeah. And then literally everything else. He's been in everything. So, yes, Charles Dance. Philip Lombard was played by Aiden Turner, a.k.a. the sexy dwarf from The Hobbit. Or as Jackie would point out, Poldark. Yeah, it's a lot of him just standing at the edge of a cliff, staring pensively out at the sea, which I think. So I pulled up Poldark. Yeah. And the images it has for it are literally just him like staring. Yeah, it's him. It's <laughs> him and every other character in that show. They just something happens. They talk to somebody else, and then the next scene cut to that person standing on the edge of a cliff, staring out at the sea in Cornwall. That's it. Yeah, yeah. But for uh, for Aiden Turner, I think he was great in this role. Uh, he did spend a lot of time with uh, no shirt mm-hmm. on. That was that added to it. So thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think I remember in the book he had like really dreamy blue so eyes. So I did look it up. 
and okay. it said light eyes. Light yeah. eyes. But he's literally got just the biggest brown puppy dog eyes. Yeah. So I don't I don't think you call those light. Yeah. But we still like them either yeah, way. They're nice. Aiden, you have you have nice eyes. They're very nice. I would take those over blue eyes. You're fine. Detective Sergeant William Bloor is played by Bern Gorman. He is one of those actors where you see his face and you know exactly who he is. You just don't remember his name because he has literally been in everything. Mm-hmm. Everything. Um, you know, he was born in Los Angeles. What? Yeah. So I looked this up because when I, I saw it on IMDb, I was like, what? He's he's in like, he's British and he's in every British show, you know. Uh, but his parents are from the UK. They're from England. And he came, he was born in Los Angeles because his father was a linguistics professor, professor, professor at UCLA. Oh. So that's why he was born in Los Angeles. And that, but he, it does say that he spent most of his like childhood, like growing up in England. But I was like, this British motherfucker, he's from Los Angeles. <laughs> so he's a U.S. citizen. Uh, he is. Yeah. He's, um, oh, I was going to say something that would have been bad. I'm not saying it. Uh, his, <laughs> so some things like if, if people need, Rattling of the brain. We have Pacific Rim. He was in The Dark Knight Rises, EastEnders, Game of Thrones. There's a lot of Game of Thrones actors in mm-hmm. this. Mr. Rogers, Bloor, um, Wargrave, they're all in uh, Game of Thrones. Then we have Dr. Edward Armstrong, who is Toby Stevens. And I, I remember when I started watching, it's like, man, he looks so familiar, but I could not place him. And then when I was looking this up, I realized... One, he was in that movie, 13 Hours, mm-hmm. you know, the Benghazi yeah. movie. Uh, he played Glenn Bub Doherty. But he might be better known to everyone out there as Captain Flint in Black Sails. Black Sails. Black Sails. Black Sails. Uh, so here's my assessment. I think that Gorman and Stevens should have changed spots. Because the detective in the book is said to be, like, large and loud. Um, He's sort of upbeat and kind of annoying also. Mm -hmm. Where the doctor is, like, the small, swarmy kind of uh, meh one. So I I think they should have switched. It was fine in the show, like, how it is. But if you're going to compare, I think those two could have swapped. I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Now I want to go watch Black Sails again. I started watching it. I never I finished. Yeah, I don't think I finished it either. And we mm-hmm. digress. Then we have Miss Emily Brent, who is played by Miranda Richards- Richardson. Miranda Richardson. She is a Harry Potter alumni. I don't remember, but it says she was in Harry Potter. Uh, also, if anyone <laughs> listened to last week's, you'll remember that there was a review that put in a whole bunch of other women that they thought would have been a better candidate for Bridget Jones. One of them being Bridget Fonda, mm-hmm. right? Who I don't agree with because she's a single white female and also American, so it made, made no fucking sense. But then Miranda Richardson was also one of them. And I remember looking at her going, "I, she seems familiar. And then I realized it, she was in this uh, that I had just finished watching. <laughs> so... Yeah, that's how observant I am. I was like, who is this? I literally had just finished watching it. She plays Rita Skeeter. Who is is that? She's the author of the sensational, like, gossip stuff. 
And she publishes oh. the stuff about Dumbledore. Yeah. Okay. Uh, then Mr. Rogers, who is played by Noah Taylor. He is another one of those where you look at him and you go, I know him, but you'll never remember his name. Because he's, he's also in every fucking mm-hmm. thing. Also, Game of Thrones. <laughs> he was in Game of Thrones, Peaky Blinders, Hatfields and McCoys, which I thought was really weird. That's that one with Kevin Costner yeah. about the West Virginia, Kentucky yeah. family. That thing, hate each other. Yeah. yeah, that like apparently still goes on today, which seems fucking stupid. Anyway. <laughs> so I thought that he was amazing mm-hmm. in the show. But once I started reading, I, it was hard for me to connect him with the Mr. Rogers in the book. They, because, they definitely went with a different yeah. direction in the show because they made him way more shady uh, and he's, mean. I, I say it later on, but he's a straight up dick in the show. Yeah. Yeah. Just beating on yeah. his wife, killing old ladies, you know, Jesus, dude. Um, so, I, yeah, he is fine. Like, OK, let me let me clear. He is amazing in the show. Absolutely amazing. But it's not the book character. The book character is a little bit more like, well, excuse me. I was mm-hmm. Where Mr. Rogers is not that in the show. So then we have General John MacArthur. He's played by Sam Neill. Jurassic Park. I can't wait for the new Enough one to come out. Yeah, neither can my son. Mm-hmm. That's like June 10th or something. He was watching uh, the last one. I think, or not the last one, but the one before. Oh, Oh, the sad one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what that sound was. Okay. Sam Neill. I don't, I don't think he can do anything wrong. He just, he is, he was also in Peaky Blinders. With Tom Hardy. Love him. Yeah. Mm. And uh, what's his name? Killian Uh, Murphy. Oh, Killian Murphy. God, I love him. Mm -hmm. Okay, moving on, Jesus, before we get (laughs) down that rabbit hole. (laughs) Uh, We have Mrs. Rogers, who's played by Anna Maxwell Martin. I don't really know who she is. I looked her up. If anyone's watched Good Omens, she's Beezlebub. Yeah. I I think it was fine in the show. She's just a small role, but she's good. I, I don't know. It was fine. She's very good at playing meek characters, I think. Yeah. Which yeah, is exactly what she was. Yeah, super yeah. weak. Super weak. And then we have Anthony Marston, who's played by Douglas Booth. And all I can say here is Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Say no more. Because yep. we're bringing it back to Jane Austen. That's what we do in this show. Always. Six degrees of Jane Austen. Um, I thought he was perfect. I could When I was reading, I couldn't picture anyone else. He, he played it. To perfection. He looks like a smug, arrogant young person. That's yeah. Which he played yeah, very well. He played really yeah. well. He also, I have to look up the Pride and Prejudice and Zombies because that movie's from a little bit ago, and he looks super young. So I don't know what his role was in there. Well, he couldn't have been. I feel like he can't be that old. Anyway, let's get into this. The plot. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the actual poem that's in the beginning of the book real quick. And we're going to go from there because we're doing this a little bit different from how we normally do with with the beginning, middle, end where we go through the departures. But 
because we have three episodes, first, second, middle, so beginning, uh, first, second, third, and then, so that's beginning, middle, end. But we're going to do it by the characters because they're getting killed off one by one. Um, So we're going to work through what each character is doing. Because I think the story is more character-driven than plot-driven because we know what the plot is. It's like somebody's killing off each person according to this riddle or uh, minstrel, rhyme, whatever. So in the book, it goes, 10 little soldier boys went out to dine. One choked his little self, then there were nine. Nine little soldier boys sat up very late. One overslept himself, and then there were eight. Eight little soldier boys traveling in Devon. One said he'd stay there, and then there were seven. Seven little soldier boys chopping up sticks. One chopped himself in half, and then there were six. Six little soldier boys playing with a hive. A bumblebee stung one, and then there were five. Five little soldier boys going in for law. One got into Chancery, and then there were four. Four little soldier boys going out to sea. A red herring swallowed one, and then there were three. Three little soldier boys walking in the zoo. A big bear hugged one, and then there were two. Two little soldier boys sitting in the sun. One got frizzled up, and then there were one. One little soldier boy left all alone. He went and hanged himself, and then there were none. Okay, so that rhyme, poem, minstrel, doggirl, whatever you want to call it, is essentially the plot. That is how we make our way through this story. We start off, though, where we're we're first introduced to the characters in the book when they're already on their way to the island. But how they're why they're going there is because they received mail letters all from a different person like supposedly but saying hey come here for a party or come here for a job or i need you to come here and take care of so and so because she's sick so it's all from people that um it's through like a third party right so they they know the person that's being mentioned but they don't know the person that the actual invite is coming mm-hmm. from so it's giving them sort of them that sense of security we're like oh i i'm familiar with so and so yeah and i guess that's just how it worked back then where you got a letter in the mail or the post i should say and it's like hey come all the way to the other side of the country and sail across this channel and stay on this secluded island with me because of reasons. Yeah, because and you I go. spoke to somebody that you knew 20 years ago and they want you to come out here or they recommended you or something like that. Yeah, if somebody called me up and was like, hey, Jackie said you should come to this spot and hang out, I'm going to pick up the phone and be like, hey, Jackie, when are we leaving? And you're going to be like, what the fuck are you talking well, about? This also, it was like the message that I got from your mom on Instagram, but it wasn't your mom. <laughs> Yeah. First of all, my mom's not fucking messaging anyone on yeah. Instagram. She's straight up just sending you links on yeah. Facebook. <laughs> that would be more believable. Yeah. The Instagram, no. But that's why you have to tell her, like, stop clicking links yeah. and stop taking those stupid what slice of bread in my quizzes. Like, stop. Jesus. Anyway, so this also reminds me of, you know, when we were younger and like Stranger mm-hmm. Danger. 
And it was like, you know, if somebody comes up and says, you need to come with me because your mom's been in a car accident or she's in the hospital, like you're supposed to ask certain mm-hmm. questions or, you know, be like, I don't know who you are. It reminds me of yeah. that. <laughs> you need to come here because so-and-so is sick. And your friend told me that you're the one that I need to call or like send posts yeah. to. Stranger danger. <laughs> exactly. No touchy. <laughs> No, 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 no. But then we're all surprised we're getting killed off one by one on a fucking yeah. island. Shouldn't be a shock. Maybe strange. Yeah, maybe stranger danger wasn't a thing. I don't. Back I don't then, think yeah. it was. Just like, just say no was not a thing. Uh, as is apparent yeah. by their party that they had. Yeah. 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 Well, because of this, now there's stranger danger. <laughs> and and <laughs> don't just say no. Just say no. Just say no. <laughs> okay. So they get this stranger danger letter and they all decide this sounds like a great idea and they go to the island. Um, they get on a train. It, it's a little bit different from the book to the show about who's on what train and when, who and who shows up. Um, but it, it's all the same. They get there. They make their way across the water. They get onto the island. Everyone's like, oh, this is nice. This is great. And that's it. Okay. So that's, it starts that way. And then we jump right in because each one of them on, in their room somewhere has this uh, nursery rhyme posted up. It's like framed on a picture or it's like, it's also like in the sitting rooms and it's around the house. It's just a lot of fucking copies of this nursery rhyme. And everyone is like, oh, that's cute. Which is what? It's a poem or nursery rhyme about everybody dying. That sounds so yeah. cute. Well, I guess, I mean, it's, it's not necessarily dying because it's like one went to Devon, stayed there, and then there were seven or whatever. So it's like, hey, guys, I'm going to hang out here. Or like, well, some of them are kind of brutal, like chopping sticks oh. and cutting in half or Hugged something. by a bear. There's no good outcome yeah, yeah, to yeah. that. Yeah, some of them are pretty brutal. Some of them are like, oh, because, you know, the story actually ends um, instead of hang themselves. It's they got married and then there were mm-hmm. none. So that's how the, it actually ends is they got married at the end. Um, and just so everyone's aware, the original nursery rhyme that we're talking about, where it's like 10 little N words written in the 1860s, it, it was like a cautionary rhyme for them written out, like basically don't be trying to run away because bad shit's going to happen. Yeah, that's it's cautionary tale. So why I bring that up is because if I'm seeing this plastered all over the fucking house, knowing at that time that this is where this like rhyme comes from. It's a cautionary tale. I go, this is kind of creepy, right? But then it's 10 little soldier boys in the book and the show now. They think it's quaint and sweet, but it's still brutal, Mm -hmm. like chopping up sticks and cut himself in half. Like that's it's like original Grimm's fairy tales versus modern adaptations of Grimm's fairy tales. Or even what's his face like the little mermaid and Beauty and the Beast. Like those are all fucking Mm -hmm. awful. Those are not happy endings either. So, yeah, I get it. It's quaint. It's cute. Fine. But it's all over the goddamn house. Everywhere. 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 Every fucking room. Everywhere. But anyway, so there we go. They're at the house, and now we start. That's given to you. That is the plot. We are going to follow this uh, nursery rhyme to a T at this point. 
which means we start off with dinner. If we remember, the first one is 10 little soldier boys went to dine, one choked himself, and then mm-hmm. there were nine. So they're at dinner, talking, talking about stuff. And then this is where they kind of start to realize, like, oh, I was here for a party. Well, I'm here for a job, or I'm here um, to meet so-and-so, or, or whatever reason. Um, which is different from the book to the movie. So, for example, Vera is coming over as to be the secretary Mm -hmm. that remains the same from the book to the show but miss brent she comes over because her letter in the book says that oh we were at this function or something together two three years ago and you should come and stay this is really peaceful and virtuous out here whatever where in the show, they say, because Miss Brent apparently runs a home for mm-hmm. girls, and the one who wrote her the letter is like, I want to I wanted know more about your work. Come mm-hmm. out here. So just little things like that. So it doesn't change the plot. It just changes how they get there, which I wasn't super upset about, but it just kind of, you ask that question, why, when you could have used the original. But it doesn't matter. I think the book... Um, is a is a little bit better at explaining that confusion because remember Miss Brent she sees the initials and just assumes that it's like Olivier or some sort of O last name of people that she's met before because if it would have just said Owen she's like I don't know who the fuck that is which probably would have mean she wouldn't come to the yeah. island right yeah first thing they have dinner. Everyone's talking. We, again, we start to realize that they're not all here for the same reason, and it's confusing. Then uh, after dinner, when they start having coffee, so their dessert time, that's when this record starts playing. Same thing happens in the book and the show. Record starts playing. Actually, they don't even realize that it's a record at first. They just hear there's speakers like lined all in the house, which I guess during the 30s was a strange thing. Nobody had speakers. Yeah. To us now, it's like, oh, it's like a weird. gramophone pointing towards a speaker, which or a microphone, which played in all different. Yeah. It's, gramophones, yeah. not easy to move around, I don't think. Yeah. No, really not. So it's ingenious. But, it, you know, it was like the first surround sound. So I must have been fucking oh, yeah. wild for yeah. them, right? <laughs> They're like, what is Disembodied this? voices. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's El Diablo. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so it, the, it's going and um, it's saying so and so you these are your charges and it says you know Justice Wargrave you are charged with uh, killing so and so and everyone's killed somebody um, at least one person except for Mr. Lombard who has actually killed 21 yeah. people in one fell sweep but we learn that in the book the 21 men that he is responsible for their deaths. Remember, it doesn't say that he killed them. It just says he's responsible for their deaths because something happened in Africa and he left them without any supplies. So essentially they were, they, they were, starved to death. Yeah, they were doomed mm-hmm. where in the show, it makes him look like he's this mercenary going in and wiping out some oh, tribe. Yeah, because he's walking along. There's fire all around him. People are screaming in the background yeah. and he's just like, yeah, I did that. Covered in blood, smoking I a cigarette. 
I won't lie. Uh, he was very attractive. During that scene. There's something not about because it. of that. No, not because of that. I'm not weird. Yeah, just <laughs> because then, it's Aiden Turner. So also, he had like his shirts yeah. like all open. Yeah. Anyway, I liked it. So now that goes off. Everyone's like, "Oh my god, what is this? Ah, scary! This is this is humbug!" You know, shit like that. Uh, except for Philip Lombard, who's like, yeah, I did it. Like, he's like, yeah, I, it's true for me. So why are you all saying it's not true? Like, am I the only one here that is telling the truth? Or am I lying and you're all telling the he, truth? He's the like, only one with a clear conscience. He's like, he's like somebody. He's like, come at me. <laughs> so they're all like, oh, what? And then uh, Anthony Marston or Tony Marston's actually what he goes by. He takes a drink and then just starts choking. But right after he confesses, be like, oh, those two people or those must be the kids that I hit. And he's talking about how that was just really inconvenient because who lets their kids play out in the middle of the street? I I lost my driving license for six months. It was so inconvenient. Everyone's like, what the fuck Mm. is wrong with you? And then he just starts choking. It was very um, reminiscent of Joffrey from Game of Thrones, how he went down. Yeah. Yeah. It was very much like that. So he goes down. Everyone's like, what the actual fuck what? And then this is where it gets a little crazy because they're all like, oh, man, he must have killed himself. Mm -hmm. In what? The book, yeah. What? They he, don't they don't really say that in the show, but in the book, oh, he No, they he, don't he in the show. He must himself. <laughs> he was suicidal and then the doctors in the background being yeah. like, "But but he he was he wasn't su- suicidal." Yeah, he was uh, I think they kind of allude to the fact that Dr. Armstrong is maybe leaning more to the psychology psychology psychiatry side of yeah, medicine. Yeah, I I don't remember what they say his specialty is in the book, but in the uh show he's Definitely says that it's, it's women's it's issues, women's mental issues. So yeah. that's why he keeps telling. It says yeah, it that's in the why book. He keeps telling Vera that she's hysterical, which made me cringe yeah. every time I heard that. Yeah. Like, shut up. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Oh. That's our man hating. Well, no. Out. <laughs> Shout out to small town murder. Cheer up, bitch. Cheer up, bitch. <laughs> So, yeah. So in the book, they're like, oh, why did he kill himself? And and like everyone has a little bit of this. What? No, he was like, seems so happy. He didn't even care about killing those kids. Why would he kill himself? They straight up thought he is one cocky motherfucker. Like he Mm -hmm. loves being alive. He loves himself. And everybody else just serves to um, or exist to serve him. Yeah. So there's no way that he would kill himself. In the show, nobody says that he kills himself or even thinks that. They bring his body up to his bedroom and they find his like uh, snuff cash or whatever mm-hmm. you call it. It's coke. Right? It's, it's cocaine. Straight up coke. It's cocaine. Yeah. Cocaine. 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 It's a hell of a drug. <laughs> we would we no, wouldn't know no, actually. Not at all. <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, no, seriously, we <laughs> we actually don't know. Um, but that's what uh, what's his face mm-hmm. tells us. Uh, I'm Rick James, bitch. <laughs> it's a hell of a drug. <laughs> anyway, uh, so they bring a, they they assume that he like OD'd or something, which you're like, oh, that sucks. 
but during this time, also during the announcements, uh, which didn't it remind you of like our Monday morning yes. announcements? <laughs> A lot. <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for the day. It just starts like that. So at our work, we have this morning Monday announcements where our um, our agency head comes on and talks about who got who fucking knows i don't i don't there's a lot of stuff if he's listening we listen very carefully and intently and we love everything about your we appreciate everything and the song of the week we love it song of the week but it comes up i'm waiting for that day at work where it's like (laughs) just start calling people out for the bullshit (laughs) (laughs) anyway (laughs) so during this time uh, Mrs. Rogers has like a fainting spell downstairs because it, you know she's also indicted as a, being complicit with her husband on a, on a murder allegedly. Uh, so the doctor gives her some sort of like sleeping tonic or something. They bring her brandy and then they bring her up to her room and tell her you know, to relax or to sleep or, or whatever. I don't up, know. Bitch. Cheer up, yeah, cheer up, <laughs> bitch. <laughs> so she goes to sleep. So now there's two characters. One is dead. One is unconscious. And they, uh, so I think they decide all to go to bed now. Right? Yeah. So they, they all go over into the night like, oh, it's so sad that he killed himself. Or, oh man, it sucks that he fucking OD'd on coke. Uh, But they wake up in the morning. In the show, it's Mr. Rogers banging on Dr. Armstrong's door to come see his wife because he thinks she's not doing well. Then we find out she's mm-hmm. dead. Uh, it kind of happens the same way in the book, like goes in and she's dead. But Mr. Rogers definitely seems more upset about his wife dying in her sleep than he does in the yeah, show. Yeah, but in either case, the recovery is very quick because in in yeah. the book even, she's like, oh no, she's dead. Yes, I gotta go make breakfast. Yeah, I guess that's up to me yeah. now. So he does. He does that in the show too. He's like, I don't want to go make breakfast for you guys, and they're like, Oh, it's very noble yeah. of you. <laughs> I love how nobody is like, No, no, don't possibly. They're like, Yeah, cool, good man. No, it's <laughs> like the dude's it, wife just it's died. It's more like, uh, Yeah, where are my eggs? Yeah, can you make some more coffee too yeah, while you're at make it? Some tea, and uh, I need some yeah. more toast. Yeah. yeah, come on, Rogers. <laughs> uh, but okay this is a big difference now in the show Vera is the one that discovers that the figures oh and I don't think we mentioned this at dinner they notice that there's these uh, there's, there's a centerpiece and there's ten like figures on it in the show there's sort of these green jadish abstract looking figures and she's like oh that's for the ten little soldiers ha <laughs> it's cute again not cute, but, you know, yeah, to them, creepy. it's cute. So in the show, it's... Go it's creepy. Yeah, it is creepy. So in the show, Vera is the one that finds the centerpiece now missing two of the mm-hmm. figures. And she brings this to Dr. Armstrong's attention when he's coming out of uh, Miss, uh, Mrs. Rogers saying that she's dead. And he... She's like, Vera's getting worked up about it a little bit. Like, this is what, it, what, why would they do that? He's like, he says something like, hysterical women are so mm-hmm. boring. Or he says something really bad. <laughs> where you're like, you, f- you asshole. Uh, but in the book, it's Mr. Rogers that mm-hmm. finds it and brings it to the attention 
of the group that they're missing. So I don't know why they changed that. I don't know what sense that makes, but that that was definitely a big change. Maybe to make Vera seem more, I don't know, with it. Because that kind of jives with the or rest of Or like it. more. Yeah, or, um, okay, I'm going to say this. I think that the way they portrayed Mr. Rogers in the show was because I watched it first. And when I watched it, I was like, man, these guys are fucking creepy. Like, what's he doing? Is he part of this? Is he taking them all out? So I think if you would have had him be the one that discovered it in the show, you would have just really automatically assumed Mm -hmm. it was him. Where when they took him out of that and it's Vera, one, they're making Vera more integral to the story. And two, they're alleviating that getting hyper-focused on Mr. Rogers possibly being the murderer. Well, did you notice in the book they made Rogers or... Actually, it was everybody else's opinion of Rogers seemed like he was just some simpleton because whenever they were talking yeah. about possible suspects, his name came up. They never his name came him. up and they're like, he's the help. How could he possibly yeah, no have way. the smarts to plan something like this? That's ridiculous. Yes. He's, he's and an then idiot. they they called him <laughs> in and he answered some questions. They're like, okay, we'll have some tea now. And then he went off and did his thing. And next thing you know. Yeah. yeah. So let's move on to Justice Wargrave. I think there's not a ton different between his characteristics in the book and the show, except for the fact that it's clear in the book that he does not like Vera. But in the show, it almost makes him seem like he does prefer mm-hmm. her. So that was a little bit weird, but I, I think it works. Also, he does. he's more quiet in the show than he Definitely. is in the book. Where in the book he does, yeah, because he brings on this I'm a judge persona. He's like, oh, well, let's look at the evidence we have at, at, at our hands, you know, and blah, 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 blah. He does this for every go around. Like, that's why I think that review where it's saying it's very mm-hmm. clinical uh, makes sense because anytime something happened, he's like, well, let's convene. Like, let's open let's court Let's think here. about this logically. Uh, where they have scene maybe two kind of like that in the show but it's i don't think justice wargrave is the one that's running it he's just sort of like i have some ideas and that's about it uh not too much going in the beginning there with him we have lombard philip lombard big thing is they're definitely trying to introduce this sort of attraction romance whatever between him and vera that is not there in the book he definitely does not give a shit about vera in the book he makes some comments about her when he sees her on the train but that's about it that's where it stops or he yeah there's no interaction things like she could be somebody and then she's like she thinks uh well he probably thinks that i'm a certain kind of woman and then it ends there after that it's just she's the hysterical woman on the island and he's the mercenary who brutally killed 21 people or just let them die uh, a big question I had, though, is he calls Detective Bloor Tubbs in the show repeatedly, like incessantly. But it's he never calls him once that mm-hmm. in the book. And I just don't understand what the introduction of that was. Um, but whatever. Not a lot going on with Lombard at the beginning. He's just he's there doing hot guy stuff. Who knows? Then we have uh, Detective Bloor, who, and both the book and the show, he presents himself originally as something Davis uh, under a mm. false name. Uh, he is really, really sort of um, 
This is why I go earlier with the casting where I think somebody else should have played him because he's supposed to be like a big dude, really, really upbeat uh, in the book. Where in the show, he's just like, meh, meh, meh. I don't even know how to describe him. He's just, meh. Everything, I hate everything. But anyway, again, Blore, like the other characters, you're just sort of like they're in your peripheral in the beginning. We have Dr. Armstrong, who in the book is way, way more stable than he is in the yeah, show. Yeah, one thing they did in the show constantly was him sitting there, sh- like his hands shaking and stuff like that, constantly mm-hmm. looking at his hands. Like in the book, it made it seem like he had kicked the alcohol after the one unfortunate incident and he yeah. hadn't been drinking forever and he had a control of himself. But in the show, he was just like constantly shaking. And then he resorts to actually drinking again a lot. Yeah. A lot. He's also like easily worked up in the show where they, he, he almost has a fight with uh, Marston mm-hmm. about the car. He get r- rode off or get pushed off the road, stuff like that. Like he's just yelling and getting all worked up and even red in the face. Yeah. I'm like, that wasn't as scary, but and once, it works, and once they finally start to figure out that people are getting offed, uh, Vera wants to search his bag and he tries to get into it with her. And then his reaction is to take her suitcase and dump it out all on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so after the two deaths of Tony and Mrs. Rogers, they're all, they're trying to get off the Island, but the guy with the boat's not coming back. There starts to come a storm in. Um, so they're all just like, they're a little bit on edge. Cause like, this is weird that two people have died, but they still kind of think that Tony may have killed himself. And that Mrs. Rogers was just like an unfortunate died in her sleep until you have general MacArthur who's starting to lose it a little bit. He's very out there. He's saying uh, sort of, Uh, ominous things he's staring out the water there's a line in the show that he says to lombard that's actually not in the book but i think it was a nice uh uh, add-in that they did where he says uh this is the peace before the carnage Mm. so it was very um what do you call that foreshadowing of him um so he is out on the cliff or whatever it is just watching the water and he's like this is it i accept it he's like we're all gonna die here and still the rest of the group is like what are you talking about like we're gonna get off it's just a storm right now but he's like nope we're gonna fucking die so in the book he also does this but something that they don't do in the show is where the three guys lombard armstrong and blore like form this little trio it's an where alliance. they're like let's find a way yeah like let's find a way off this island let's see if there's somebody on this island like so they're all going off together they see macarthur like being kind of loony on the cliff there um, vera also sees him on the cliff and talks to him a little bit but then they all come back to the house for dinner lunch or dinner whatever they're gonna eat and they're standing around and they go well where's macarthur you know so Armstrong in the book is the one that says, I'm going to go find him. I'll be right back. But in the show, it's Miss mm-hmm. Brent that's sitting out on the uh, porch or whatever. And she, the way they're filming her, it looks like she saw something weird. So she starts to kind of go investigate. And that's where they find General MacArthur. 
dead on the cliff. Bloody. His head smash him. Yeah. So this is clearly not a suicide or an unfortunate accident. It was intentional. And now everyone's like, fuck, what is going on? So that is a, that is episode one. Now the characters we're left with going into episode two are, and I don't know if you noticed this with the credits, they don't credit the actors if they've died for the next episode. I didn't episode. notice that. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they, um, they get, they get axed. So here's, yeah. So here is where we are left with in the second episode. We have Vera, Justice Wargrave, Philip Lombard, Detective Bloor, Dr. Armstrong, and Miss Brent, and Mr. Rogers. I just have to stop picturing a man in red cardigan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a wonderful day in the neighborhood. <laughs> okay, so we're in the middle now. It's clear that... Something is happening on this island. It is not an accident. It's not unfortunate. Somebody is killing people. And we start to realize that it is kind of lining up with this rhyme. So we've made it 10, 9, 8. So and then there were seven. And then the next one out of there is seven little soldier boys chopping up sticks. One chopped himself in halves, and then there were six. So I believe it's Vera in the show. She's like, it's like the rhyme. It's like the rhyme. Everyone's like, what are you talking about, you dumb bitch? Shut up. I think Armstrong like, slaps her or something in the book. Uh, she's going a little hysterical about it. Nobody's really believing it. Also, Vera and Lombard are starting to do this little like slutty thing mm-hmm. together. There's also the um, the gun gets lost that we didn't. nobody knew that Lombard had. So, so they... They go to sleep the night and they get up the next morning to find Mr. Rogers dead while he was chopping up sticks, <laughs> which I guess was used to put like in the fire. Yeah, it's kindling stove. or something. Yeah. Kindling. Yeah. Yeah. So he's chopping up sticks. They find him out there. He's all chopped up. And I think he actually was chopped mm-hmm. in half. Uh, so they're like, what the fuck? Who's going to make our coffee? <laughs> This is really inconvenient. I want my egg cooked at four minutes precisely. Oh, yeah, Miss Brent, that stupid bitch. Um, so, yeah, so we start off strong, episode two. Mr. Rogers, down. Man, down. Now everyone's freaking out. And I think this is where we find out that Lumbert has a gun because we're like, oh, we're going to yeah. find out who's on this island. Because they're convinced that it has to be somebody else mm-hmm. on the island. Couldn't be them. Even though none of them knows the other from Adam, so... <laughs> Could it possibly be these posh people that I'm staying here oh, with? They're high upstanding people who would never, ever do anything to hurt anybody else. Yeah. So we get to learn a little bit more about this, the backstories of these characters as they're going through. Because you you know that they're going to be the next one. You kind of catch on to this trend. Like once they fully admit or lay out their story, it's like you're next. Mm-hmm. You're coming up next because uh, you don't get all the information right at the bat. So uh, Marston goes, he hit the kids. Mrs. Rogers goes, she was complicit in the murder with her and her husband of their last uh, employer. And then um, General uh, MacArthur, we find out that he sent his friend and subordinate officer, like uh, his lieutenant or something. In the book, he sends him off to battle. Basically, one of those uh, where it's a lose-lose situation. You know he's going to die, but he sent him anyway. 
In the movie, he shoots this motherfucker in the back of yeah. the head. Like, right and after. And the reason, yeah, the so, reason for it has changed, too. Yeah. Because in the book, it's uh, his wife swapped letters. She sent the wrong letter to the wrong person. So the letter that she intended for, I think his name is Richmond, uh, she mm-hmm. sent to her husband. And the letter she intended for her husband, she sent to Richmond. And he finds out that way and then sends him off on this, like, scouting mission or something. But in this yeah. one, he's looking for a lighter for a cigarette. And he digs in Richmond's pocket because it's hanging there on the coat rack and he finds the letter and starts reading it. And it's very, very, um, not, yeah, graphic. graphic. It's explicit. I love you. I want want you. you. I want to feel you (laughs) kissing me all over my body and stuff like that. Yeah. Touch me, touch me all places inside and out. And then. (laughs) <laughs> Poor chap Richmond comes in and he's like, you know what? I'm going to shoot you in the head. So that's what he does. Yeah. We're ready, sir. And he's like, we've been good friends, yeah. right? He's like, uh, yeah. yeah. He's like, you can call me John. I'm like, okay, John. Then he turns around yeah. and bite him. Uh, so I don't know why they changed any of that because it still ends the same where the dude's dead and he's guilty. I think with him murdering him, because I guess... The other one's hard to say that it's mm-hmm. murder because it's like it's yeah. war. People die during war. Uh, but in the book, this may be why, because in the book, there is that additional uh, sort of witness. One of the other yeah. soldiers kind of is hit to what happened and kind of watching me. He said he keeps saying he looked at me weird. Maybe he's the one that um, told on me or whatever, whatever, whatever. Uh, I think there's a lot of stuff in the show that they didn't want to just have to go back to those other side backstories yeah. to support Keep it, it. Simple. so they're like how can we do yeah how can we do this where it's just independent of the character so this way it's like i shot him in the back of the head but here's another thing they're in a trench mm-hmm. right it's world war one he's in like a bunker in the trench and now you have a dude with a gun shot to the back of his skull what do you do with the body in your <laughs> Yeah, in the bunker. Like, yeah, people are dying and all that stuff, but this dude is shot in the back of the head in your bunker in Especially the trench. Be- yeah. Like, that's not weird. Officer's quarters would have been very, very deep into the trench, so you would have had yeah. a long way to go past a lot of people to try and get rid of that body. And those, yeah, and there's, it's not like you're going a foot without smacking into another fucker that's... <laughs> there's no way. There's no way. So I... I think we're just supposed to suspend reality here and be like, oh, yeah, okay. he's definitely a bad guy. He shot him in the back of that. Anyway, we digress. He's a bad dude. He killed his friend because his friend was fucking his wife. Um, and uh, here we are. And he's on the island. So we learn that. Then we learn more about the Mr. Rogers. Uh, in the book, it's their last employer was sort of re- bedridden. She was very, very sick. She's supposed to have certain medication if she has a, a fit, whatever it is, some with mm-hmm. her heart. Um, and then they just withheld it from her, which it may seem like Roger, Mr. Rogers is the one that was orchestrating this and Mrs. Rogers is complicit. In the show, they're showing that he smothered yeah. her. With a pillow. Because if you remember, yeah, because if you remember in the book, there's the doctor that found when they came to look at the woman he is the one that suspected that the medicine wasn't mm-hmm. given. But again, that's another storyline I think they just didn't want to have to introduce. Uh, so Mr. Rogers dead. They're all just in the house now, like really freaking out. 
Uh, now we move on to Miss Brent's story. So we know she's going to be the next one. She doesn't admit to anything. She's like, I have done nothing wrong. I'm beyond repro- reproach. Uh, while everyone's like, well, this is kind of what happened. But she's like, I didn't do shit. But she confides in Vera that she had taken in a girl. And it's very, very weird. It doesn't imply this in the book. But in the show, it's this weird sort of like pedophile lesbian thing. Not explicitly, not graphically, but it's it's very, very strange. Um, Some of the scenery that they have or scenes, I should say, that they have together. Um, So there's that. But what happens is the girl gets pregnant. So she gets knocked up. And she's like, I thought she was a nice girl, but clearly she wasn't. She's just like the rest of them. So she's like, I'm not going to have that that hussy in my house. So she kicked her out. But the girl's like, I have nowhere to go. Which I have, a, this, this is where I have an issue with this storyline in both. So in the show, she kicks her out and she throws herself in front of a train. But also in the show, Miss Brent talks about how she did, was like an orphan and didn't really have parents and or her mother was a hussy too. So she was trying to get out of a bad situation, which also this kind of does lend it to like grooming type behavior, doesn't it? Like very predatory oh, yeah. or she comes yeah. from a bad, you know, position. Like in life, everything blah, 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 that blah. you've experienced up until this point has been wrong. I'm going to show you right. And yeah. this is what right is. Yeah. Licking yeah. the blood off of your uh, fingertip after you cut yourself. Doing your embroidery. Do you notice that she, her, the finger that's bleeding when she's doing the embroidery or the, what do you call it? um, Cross stitching is actually the hand that she was pushing the needle through. No. So there's no way she could (laughs) have. I didn't notice that. No. (laughs) Yeah. I, I noticed I was like, but yeah, whatever. (laughs) I was like, that's stupid. Moving on. Uh, but in the book, okay, so Miss um, Brent and the girl of, what was her name? Beatrice? So. Yeah, whatever. Some old turn of the century name. Uh, she says, like, oh, she, I thought she was a good girl. She came from good parents. Like, she, there's no reason she should have been a hussy. So I was like, that was weird. Um, I have a feeling that maybe they didn't want to introduce that storyline because it is, I would assume that when she threw herself off the bridge and drowned herself, her parents, if they're good parents, would be like, what the mm-hmm. fuck happened, right? Um, but also my issue with that is if she did get knocked up and Miss Brent was kicking her in the house and she would kill herself, if your parents were that great, why didn't you go back to your parents? Yeah. Why are you throwing yourself off a bridge and drowning yourself? Which I don't, and again, why'd they change that? Either way, she's dead. It's just, as the train's more gruesome? Drowning's pretty horrific too, but anyway, whatever. Um... Big thing with Miss Brent's death is she's the uh, played with a hive and got stung by a bee one in the show. Somebody had stabbed her in the neck with her knitting needle, which has a a bee engraved on it for her name, Brent. But she's like, oh, stung with a bee. So it's a very sort of liberal, loose uh, interpretation of that line. But in the book, there's an actual bee that she sees before it happens. And then somebody pricks her in the neck with a, uh, like a hypodermic needle. So, but there is a bee in the book. I think that was just too difficult and maybe too out there for them to well, do. Well, you the can't show. exactly so, train a bumblebee. Yeah. Is, well, I mean, there's different ways to do it. 
<laughs> I would. I like that. I like where you go with that. Like instead of all the other ways you could have done this, you're like, well, how are you going to train a bee? <laughs> well, I mean, in the book, they talk about the bee buzzing by the window and trying to get out and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But it's yeah. How how can you guarantee? Well, I I understand that there is sound editing and stuff that you can do to make the sound appear, and then you can just kind of like CGI the actual bee into the scene, but. This was a lot simpler. This is why Jackie and I don't make, you know, yeah. film. <laughs> We'd be there trying to train a lack fucking of bee. ambition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so Miss Brent is dead. She's gone down. We're down to five now, right? Yeah. Now yeah. there were five. So Mrs. Brent is dead. We're down to five. We're uh, a little stressed out. It's Vera. Wargrave, Lombard, Bloor, and Armstrong, and uh, the five of them. They're really starting to stress out now. Uh, they're in the show. They're sitting around. Everyone's just like fucking neurotic. It's sort of the same thing in the in the book as well. There's also the gun goes missing in both this show and the book. So they are frantic trying to find this. Like who has it? Who has the gun? Um, so that's a big kind of goose hunt. They get to the end of the day. Everyone's like stressed out after they've all stripped naked and searched each other's rooms and bags and the house. They've ripped the upholstery off. Um, then Vera says, I'm going to go up to bed. She goes into her room. She goes up into her room and she notices for the first time. And there's a hook on the ceiling, which is very strange. I guess it's meant for a chandelier, and I think they say that. Well, in the there show. was there was a kind hook. of foreshadowing at the beginning because when she's on the train, she looks at the pull down for the curtain on the train, and it looks like a noose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think you just gave some stuff away. It, though. They're gonna get but there. Yeah. I mean, this. Yeah, <laughs> we're spoiling everything. We're getting it. Yeah, there is because it the pull thing for the line does look like a noose and then there's some other stuff too where um hanging is mm-hmm. is reference but anyway so she goes in she's the hook on the ceiling um but in the book it's seaweed hanging mm-hmm. from the ceiling and she walks by and it feels like somebody yeah. grabs her where in the show it's more like she's hallucinating or freaking out because it's that scene where sort of the hand comes out of the sink Yep. And grabs her. So she's screaming. Either way, she's screaming. She, like, passes out. The other guys come running up. They're like, oh, my God, what happened? She's hysterical again. Smack, smack. Something like that. Uh, so they're up there tr- deal- talking about all this. So they realize, like, where's Justice Wargrave? He didn't make it up the stairs with us. He's slow. He's old. So they all go down. And now we find Justice Wargrave shot in mm-hmm. the head shot in the head in the book he's all dressed up like a judge somebody had stolen miss brent's uh yarn and created like a wig and then they they stole a um, like what a, was it a shower yeah, curtain a, bathroom some curtain kind or of something. curtain for the the red robe and then something on top of his head i think also in addition to the wig it was it the yarn was also like that black cloth oh or at least you saw it in the show yep. yeah yeah the black cloth when uh they when he kills mm-hmm. someone or Sentences not when he kills somebody, someone, it's judge sentenced someone to death. Yeah, so he's there, and they're like, "Oh shit!" So the doctor's like, "Yeah, he's fuck, he's dead." No, so they carry him upstairs, put him in the bed, cover him up, 
And now we're down. We have four now, moving into episode mm-hmm. three, the finale. We have Vera, Lombard, Armstrong, and Bloor. In the show, we get full-on debauchery because they are freaking out now. It is uh, cocaine, booze, whatever else. I think the doctor is shooting them up with stuff. Um, they're dancing to music. It's a funny scene where Armstrong and Bloor are holding on to each other, slow dancing when they're all like hungover yep. and stuff. And then Lombard and Vera now have this very little intimate moment where they're slow dancing. And he's like, we're going to get through this, Vera. Just stick with me. And the other two are watching him going, there's something going mm-hmm. on between them. There's something going on. Mm. So they all go up to bed. Now, in the book, they're all in their yep. rooms. Somebody goes out, Bloor hears them, opens the door. Anyway, in the show, Lombard decides, I'm not going to stay in my room. Because you got to keep in mind, they all watch each other go in their rooms and then they hear each other lock the doors. So it's very, very neurotic paranoia. But so why didn't anyone hear Lombard opening his door, walking down the hallway and opening the door to go into Vera's room and then closing the door and locking it. And then again, it I bring, brings me back to Mansfield Park. You didn't hear that? They're all like, there's like throwing themselves up against the wall. There's nothing like, quiet what? about it. Yeah, it wasn't like slow sort of like, I don't know. I don't even, I don't know. I don't even know what to call it. It was rough. It was noisy. They're banging against the walls. They're not being quiet about it, but nobody hears that. Nobody hears that, but they hear footsteps downstairs, mm-hmm. like padding yeah. out the house, but not the orgy that's going on in the other room. Across the hall. Anyway, I digress. So that's fine. We get through it. Bloor sees them come out of, uh, cause he's freaking out. He's trying to knock on Lombard's door. Lombard hears that comes out of Vera's room and is like, what's going on? As he's pulling uh, his shirt on. <laughs> yeah. Or I think he's like. He's got like a blanket again wrapped around. She does. She has a sheet wrapped around herself, but he is actually pulling his shirt on and buttoning it up. And I feel like Bloor doesn't even react. He's just like, uh, we got bigger shit going on right now. I don't don't, forget the gun. Forget the sex. (laughs) We're, we're. Yeah. I don't Armstrong just snuck out of the house. So. Yeah. So Armstrong left and they're like, what is this? And this is what they're thinking. All right. So there's a three of them left. They're thinking it's this part. Well, Vera brings it up and she goes, four little soldier boys going out to sea. A red herring swallowed one up and then there were three. So they're thinking Armstrong is the red herring and that it must Mm -hmm. be him. So now they're on a hunt for uh, Armstrong. But remember, the gun also comes back, just shows up in Lombard's room again. Yeah, remember that. But in the show, at one point, the, the bear rug, bearskin rug that she had in her room, it shows they have the barrel of the gun sticking out of the mouth with the key right in front of it. At one point, that was in her room. That was in the sitting room. She just spent a lot of time was down it? there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's in like the the okay. cigar room, or smoking room, whatever. Yeah, but it, she yeah. spent a lot of time in there. I get it. But yeah, it, so the gun was in there where you don't really know where the gun was yeah. in the book. You don't, you don't tell. So it gets the gun back. Now they're like, shit. Okay. I want to get on my little soapbox for a minute here. Not, not a hate man soapbox, but like a, uh, we don't need your help soapbox Mm kind of. So when they go to find Armstrong, 
Lombard's like, Vera, stay in the room, lock the door, put a chair. And I think in the book, she says something snarky like, yeah, I know. I know how to lock a door. But remember, he wasn't a, he wasn't a doing mm-hmm. her there. He was just like giving orders. And she's like, fuck you, I know how to lock a door. In the show, it's more like, protect yourself. And she's like, okay. Either time, I'm like, no. No, I'm staying here by myself. I'm coming with you fuckers. Yeah. Why? No. Stay by yourself and you just invite trouble. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. They come back. They couldn't find Armstrong. They're like, where the hell could he have gone? This is an island. There's no way. There's not even any trees on this island, but they can't find him. So the morning comes and they're trying to game plan. In the book... They are outside. They decide they don't want to spend the rest of the night in the house. So they're just outside looking at the water. In the show, they leave. They decide, you know what? We need to make a fire so we can send a signal out or something. So they're like trying to get stuff together and they go outside together. But they leave Bloor behind because he he hears something and he's like, what's that? So he doesn't go with them automatically. But here's the thing. They don't realize that he's not with them until they're already mm-hmm. at the cliff. And if you look at it, that's fucking far from yeah. the house. That's like half a mile that they just like were walking away. And you don't you don't know that somebody is yeah, not behind you. Yeah, it's a lot of time to take, they take look, for granted. Just, okay, we're going to yeah, go outside they, now. And then they're half a mile away from the house. And they're like, wait a second. Yeah, they're like, where did he go? Uh, yeah. So they're like, and then because they're so shocked that he's not with them. It's like you you're just you've definitely been walking for 20 minutes. You just know now that he's not. Anyway, so again, Lombard's like, I'm going to go and find them. Don't follow me. Mm-hmm. Like, no, again, no, you're not leaving me out here by myself. Go find yourself. That's especially because that kind of situation, I would want to go with him because if he does find anything and you happen to come up after the fact, you're like, how do I know you didn't kill him? Like, if yeah. we discover him together, yeah. then I know for a fact you didn't kill him. But how do I know? Yeah, so he runs off. She follows him because she's thinking the same thing. Like, fuck this. I'm staying out here. Mm-hmm. This is stupid. She follows him, goes in there. Here's now a big departure. Blora's is dead. He looks like he was killed by mm-hmm. a bear rug. He was stabbed in the chest by a bear rug. And then there's some sort of scene in the uh, show, too, where it's like the bear stands up and but it's yeah. all shaky and you're like, what the hell is this? You think he's going crazy. In the book, though, they're outside and Blur's like, I'm hungry. There's like a, a theme with him. I'm hungry. He's like, I'm going to go get something. He's like, I'm not hungry. I don't want anything. And they're like, I don't want anything either. I'm not hungry. So he's like, well, I'm hungry. So he's like, I'll be right back. So he goes back into the house alone for a mm-hmm. snack. You gotta be. This is why, okay. I wonder if Lombard in the show is calling him Tubbs because it's the show's way of like calling back to him being such a fat ass. It's possible. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, because he he calls him Tubbs and it comes from nowhere. His name is Bloor. He's a detective. I don't think that's some sort of slang for British police at any time. No, I even looked it up in Urban Dictionary and nothing came up about references to the cops or anything like that so. okay yeah so i wonder if that's the callback they're like listen we know we changed his character a little bit but he mm-hmm. was a fat fuck uh so he goes in to get a snack and he dies but he doesn't die by a bear rug he dies p- 
her lion clock coming out of Vera's window. It's like a big, heavy clock that falls out of the window and falls directly. Yeah, it was made onto out of marble, head. and it was on her mantelpiece yeah. in the at, at the fireplace in yeah. the room. Um, in my book, it said that mm-hmm. it looked like a bear. Oh, maybe it was. I could be fucking wrong. Who knows? I'm probably drunk. Yeah. 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 Bear. Yeah. It's a bear. Why wouldn't it be a bear? Uh, Yeah. So he dies like that. Like either way, it's kind of brutal. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) we're left with two now. Lombard and Vera. And they're like, whoa. So the two of them are like, what the hell is going on? In the book, she sees something off the side of the cliff. It looks like clothing. So they go down to investigate. Sort of the same thing in the show where they see, it it looks more like a body. You can't tell for sure because it's far off. So they they go down to investigate. And then who do we find, Jackie? Dr. Armstrong. Dr. Armstrong. So here we go. It's not Armstrong. He's, it couldn't be him because he's Mm -hmm. dead. Face first, bobbing for seashells. A like post there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so in the show, Lombard's like, whoa, what the fuck? He's like, we got to go. He's like, we're getting hunted. And she's like, no, no, we got to like, we got to bring him up. We can't leave him like this. It's going to look bad. They're going to, they're going to come with the boats and we're going to, we're going to have left him here in the water. And he's like, I don't fucking care. He's like, I don't want to die. Well, like, in, please, in the show, please. I think it was her way of being like, okay, I got to get him distracted so I can get his gun. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, it definitely was. In in yeah. in both cases, it was. Um, but he is more like, no, all right, fine, I'm gonna help you. Then we gotta go. Like he's still in the mindset, I'm gonna get mm-hmm. us out of this. But I think she's already turned on. Oh, it yeah. must be him. So, but in the book, it's not this. Uh, oh no, let's get out of here. It's both of them looking at each other like, mm-hmm. fucking you. Even Lombard's like, you snide bitch, you know, whatever. He's like, you sneaky bitch. And she's like, what are you talking about? No, it's you. No, it's you. So that's why I say I don't understand the the romance between them because they never Mm -hmm. liked each other at all. And even to the very, very end. And he was like, you bitch, I'm going to fucking kill you. Um, And she's like, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you hear that whole conversation? Yeah, yeah no, fuck you. Okay, no, yeah. <laughs> That's how it happened. <laughs> Them on the coast is no. like, no, no, fuck, no, fuck 19, you. Nineteen thirty-nine, uh, off the coast of Devon, yeah. on an island. Proper, yeah, no, proper British people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, fuck you. Uh, so either way, she's like, well, let's. We gotta get him uh, taken out of the water, so we're we're decent human beings. That's where she steals Lombard's gun now. And she mm-hmm. shoots him. Just shoots him dead there. And now she's thinking, I did it. I'm safe. I did it. In the book. Yeah. In the book, she actually makes a comment where she goes into, after she goes into the dining room and she sees that there's still three little uh, uh, figurines there. She's like, ha ha, not anymore. And she takes the one figure and she's like, you're coming mm-hmm. with me. You know, she's almost proud of herself. Uh, and now this is where I think she's really fucking lost it in both the book and the show. Because she goes in the house. Uh, she In the book, she keeps talking about mm-hmm. Hugo. And now we finally get her full story. Where we're getting snippets all along throughout the show and the book. 
where it's like, oh, I, I was a governess for this kid and he was sickly and I met his uncle and I really loved him. And But then you find out some weird inheritance thing where because Cyril was born, um, Hugo doesn't get the inheritance from his uncle anymore because his uncle passed away. But Hugo loves mm-hmm. his nephew, loves him. Uh, but he proposes to Vera, Hugo does, and she knows that he doesn't have a penny to his name because of this inheritance thing. So she's like, I need to fix this up so I we get the inheritance. So she's like, she plans this thing where she's going to let Cyril swim in the ocean because that's what he wants to do, but he's not strong enough. And then she's going to pretend that he drowned while she was trying to save him. So we find out by the end here that it was all a ploy. She wasn't a good governess. She killed a little kid so her boo could get money. And remember, the fiancé, Hugo, had nothing Mm -hmm. to do with this. It was not even an idea. He loved his nephew. He didn't care. He would have figured he loved Vera, too. He would have figured it out. But Vera's like, no, we got to have money. I'm going to kill this kid for it. See, I I interpreted it a little bit differently. It didn't seem like she was trying to get any kind of gain for herself. She thought she was doing him a favor. Like she interpreted his statement about how, well, if Hugo hadn't been born or not Hugo, but Cyril hadn't been born, then I would have gotten this money. But Cyril wasn't expected. And then he gets all the money. But, you know, whatever. And she's like, well, I'm going to do something nice for him so that he feels like he can marry me. But I, I I didn't see it as any kind of like, oh, we need money for ourselves. But let me pose mm-hmm. this question. That would mean she's either really mentally unstable to think that killing a child or being the cause of a child's death would be doing something nice for her fiance. I think part of it also that she did not understand the true depth of feeling that uh, Hugo had for Cyril. Mm. But still, like, even if he hated the kid. I think it was a lot of misunderstanding on her part. Hmm. But she still made the choice to be the cause. Yeah, but I think like eight year olds Vera justified it by convincing herself that it was an accident, that she didn't actually send him out there to go swim. He just got away from her and she couldn't catch up to him. Whereas show Vera definitely intentionally sent him out there knowing he was not going to be able to make it. And then even in the show, in her flashback, it shows her running at first and then she immediately stops and starts walking to the water and that she's just floating there. So I think it's two different interpretations of the character, one in the book and one in the show. But I don't, I I think that the book version of Vera was definitely more unhinged as far as not really having a good grasp on reality. Whereas show Vera, show Vera was just like, uh, I'm going to do him a favor and we're all going to benefit from this because if he has money, he's going to be able to marry me and then we're all good. But there's a scene in the book where she's going over all of the possibilities of this not working. And she says, well, what if, what if they rescue him in time? And then he tells his mother what we talked about. Like there's a lot of planning that went yeah. into it. 
I, I still think that points a lot to her being kind of delusional and not necessarily mm-hmm. malicious, like sociopath instead of psychopath. Mm. It's like not feeling bad, but not really knowing why you don't feel bad. But then it's the whole, I feel bad and I know I'm doing bad because I'm an awful person. Oh, and no, I know. Like I think pain. Jack, <laughs> I think Jack and I are going to have to agree to disagree. I think she knew exactly what she was doing on both sides. And then there's also what we haven't talked about yet is who the killer is mm-hmm. in the show. She comes in, she starts to see uh, Cyril, like, in his bathing suit, you know, his ghost, whatever, you know, her imagination. It take, He takes her hand and walks her back to her room. And now there is a noose hanging from that hook on her ceiling and a chair. Same thing in the book, except there's no Cyril. She's not, like, hallucinating. She's just convinced that Hugo is now here um, to save her. Because he wouldn't possibly let her, which, again, really points to what Jackie was saying is that she's unhinged. I agree with that, but I I would still argue that she knew exactly what she was doing. She's just finally coming to terms with it. She thinks Hugo's coming. In the book, she gets up on the chair, puts the noose around her neck, kicks the chair out, fade to black. In the show, she's up on the chair. She hears the doorknob and she thinks, Hugo? And I think she even says it, Hugo. So she's thinking that Hugo's coming for her. And the door opens. And who walks through? Justice Wargrave. Justice motherfucking Wargrave. And I stood up and shouted. I was like, I knew it! I called it. I love, this is my game. I play with myself when I'm watching these sort of plot twists. I'm like, I'm going to see how early on I can call it. And I made, I always play a game with myself when I'm, reading or watching these sort of whodunits because I'm like, I want to be able to see how early on I can call it. And I think I called it as just Swargrave about 20 minutes into the first episode, but I was very hesitant about it. I wasn't like, it's not, I'm not to say that the show is just, or the story is easy to, I was just really trying to play it out. Like who would get the most of this? Who makes the most sense? Um, And then don't get me wrong. I really questioned myself when he showed up dead because I was like, oh, shit. Well, what now? And I and I lost it for a little bit. But when he walked through that door, I was like, yes, I knew it. <laughs> I called it. I think I even texted Jackie. I was like, I knew it. <laughs> so he walks through. And then what do we have, Jackie? He admits to everything. Uh, it's essentially like in the book, you have the letter that he put in the bottle that he threw out in the sea. It's his confession. And he just uh, pretty much tells her everything that was in the letter in the book. Uh, with a few exceptions, because in the letter in the book, he goes into the fact that he's always been fascinated by death and he wanted to commit a murder, but his sense of justice overruled that all the time. But Mm -hmm. this whole thing at Soldier Island was what allowed him to bring that desire to kill together with the justice. So he started building. He's the first Dexter. He he started, (laughs) he started, uh, researching and investigating and gathering clues just from mutual acquaintances and stuff like that to bring all these people together because he's at the end of his life anyway. He has cancer. 
and mm-hmm. he wants to go out with a bang, commit this epic murder, and he wants to go down yeah, in infamy. Uh, make sure that nobody can ever solve it until he decides. You know what? Yeah. I'm going to write a letter, and maybe somebody will find it. Maybe somebody won't. If they do, then they'll yeah. know what happened. If they don't, then it will be a mystery. Yeah. So Jackie brought up uh, the big point there is that these cases, the the individuals invited to the island, are cases of where justice couldn't reach them, I think mm-hmm. is what the term is. Because Vera gets off from it. Hugo is like hip to it. He actually has a scene in the show where he comes up and he goes, you know, I wasn't sure before, but after hearing you speak, because there's yeah. an inquest, you know, she comes up and she testifies. He goes, but after hearing you speak, I, I know for sure now. And she's thinking, you see it in her face, like, oh, this is going to be good. Like, what do you think? He goes, mm-hmm. you're lying. And she's like, no, you couldn't possibly. No, you couldn't possibly. He's like, no, you're lying. There's no way. He's like, you knew exactly what you're doing, and there's no way you couldn't catch mm-hmm. up to him. Blah, 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 blah. There's also, so there, Justice Wargrave in the book describes how he met him like on a train and they were talking about it. He was drunk. Hugo brought it up saying like, basically my fiance killed my Mm -hmm. nephew. Um, And and then same thing for all of the other characters. General MacArthur in the book was the guy that he thought was, he was paranoid that this guy probably told on him for what he did with his friend in the the army Um, and all the other ones. One thing that uh, we didn't talk about was Bloor's case real quick. So I just want to touch back on that because Justice Wargraves knows about him because he was a cop and obviously he's a judge. So he knows his cases and, and he keen on to that one. So in the book, Bloor gets a guy convicted that essentially is not guilty Mm-hmm. I think is really what we come to. But what happens is because he gets sent to prison um, and he's not like a violent guy, he's sort of weak, he's small. He just gets taken advantage of prison. He mm-hmm. got, he dies. So his death is related back to Bloor. Did he kill him directly? No. But in the show, again, I think this is another one where they wanted to make the murders or the deaths like totally undeniably their fault and without any extra story. In the show, it seems like he killed that kid because yeah. he was gay. He implies that he picked him up in an area um, that's known for sort of homosexual hookups or whatever. And he stomps this kid to death in the well, cell. Well, he even has that fantasy memory where he has this interaction with the kid in the cell and says, you're lucky that I was the one that caught you. I'm going to let you go. Mm-hmm. Just be more discreet next time. And then he stops and says, that's what I should have done. And then all you see is him closing the door. So clearly he feels guilt about it, but yeah, that's a much more direct uh, involvement in the death of this kid than just falsely testifying against him. So justice Wargrave, uh, he plots this out. He had some sort of conspiracy with Armstrong that he made throughout the during like the early times of them being there. So that's how everyone believes that he's dead because who's going to question the doctor when the doctor says he's dead. That's how he gets around with that. Um, He kills himself in both after this is all said and done. He has the like surprise motherfucker Mm -hmm. moment with Vera at the end of the show. He doesn't have that in the 
book, there's an epilogue where the detectives finally show up to the island because I think somebody from the mainland tips them off where it's like, this is kind of weird yeah, it was going the, on there. Nobody's the guy heard that from originally them. brought them out there, they start to think, to think something's fishy because they were sending the messages with the mirror, the SOSs, and they were told yeah. to ignore all that stuff because it was all a game. But then the, the guy that brought them out there, he's like, well, wait a second. It wasn't the normal party crowd. So something's got to be going yeah, on. Yeah, like these yeah. are all just... Yeah, these are all just like bland, normal people, like an old dude and old lady. Yeah. Uh, so the detectives, the epilogue is the detectives trying to piece this together and going like, yeah. what the hell? Then the total ending of the story is the letter that's found. We don't know when it's found, but Justice Wargrave wrote, confessed everything, put it in a bottle and just threw it out to the sea. And then he killed himself at the house. But in that letter, he describes why... And how and why he picked these people and then why they are killed in the order that they are. And it's because the first one to go, uh, first couple ones to go were like the least egregious Mm -hmm. where he didn't want them to have to deal with. He still wanted to kill him, but he didn't want them to deal with the like psychological trauma of having to work through this. And knowing that you're going to die. Which right, right there, I don't agree with the order because Anthony Marston, he. It was an accident. Yeah, but he. A bad he accident, but it was still an accident. zero remorse about it. No, I mean, I'm with you. He's just a really, it reminds me of that news story a couple years back where the kid was driving he's like really rich kid he was driving drunk and they the case was that he's just so spoiled he doesn't understand empathy so i think it's something like that where it still is horrible and he's a terrible human being hence why justice Wargrave fucking Mm -hmm. knocked him off but i think the the level of his crime is not egregious as the others because it really was an accident meditated his intent was Right. His intent was not to go out and run down a couple of kids in the middle of the street with his car. He's just so unaware that he's making decisions that could yeah. result in that. Then there's Mrs. Rogers, who is just complicit with her husband's doing. And then General MacArthur is what he did was fucking wrong. But also, I think he he had a good life. He would never did anything mm-hmm. wrong before. And I think he was just traumatized by knowing that his wife was cheating on him and he found out while he's in the middle of a war zone literally in a trench so here we are now we're like trying to defend what these people have done and it i think this story is great for that because you're kind of faced with this it's still wrong you know on the scale of morality of when it's yes or no it's wrong but when you have to weigh them against each other you know, Wargraves in the show, he shot somebody in the back of the head. It's not, that's way worse than accidentally running two kids over or, you know, watching as your husband smothers an old lady. Well, it, there, it, that uh, but, goes along with next week's episode. Gone, baby, gone. Uh, gone, yes. Jeez. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that, I can't wait for next week because I got a lot to say. So we have that, and then Mr. Rogers is the next mm-hmm. one to go, where he got to he got to make it through a day. He's the next one to go because I think what he did still mm-hmm. really bad, 
but compared to the other ones, um, I don't know. So I don't know. For it's some reason, bad. I'm thinking that they flip flop the deaths of deaths of Mr. Rogers and Ms. Brent in the book and the movie, because in the mm-hmm. book, it's is it Brent first or no, I think it's Mr. Rogers first and then Brent. No, it can't be because it's it goes by the poem. Oh, OK, yeah. Duh. But yeah. I at the same time, like that's what makes me not understand why they changed the circumstances behind Miss Brady's death with Miss Brent going first. Right. Mm-hmm. She just turned this girl off and she ended up killing herself. The girl ended up killing herself. So there isn't really a like direct point A to point B involvement in that death. Whereas in the movie with Rogers and Brady, Mrs. Brady, he physically smothers her in the show. Yeah. So this is where I think um, some of the additional stuff, the nuances of it play in. Cause I think there's an implication in both the show and even the book that Miss Brent is doing mm-hmm. more than what's yeah. laid out there. It's implied that she is maybe like systematic systemically or systematically abusing these girls yeah. that she's taking into her house. Yeah. So I think there's an implication there. Um, and then we go, so Mr. Rogers and we go Miss Brent and then we, Armstrong go, or no, then Wargrave mm-hmm. goes because that's the, yeah. the justice one. He, he said it just fits. Then we find out that Armstrong mm-hmm. is dead. Um, so I, I makes me wonder like what exactly was Armstrong doing as a doctor? Was it just, he, he had that one, he was drunk while he was operating, yeah. operating on that woman. So now I think it's a matter of perspective. Does like our, does war, is Joseph War? Oh my God, <laughs> we're drunk. Uh, so Justice Wargrave now is he thinking? You know, hey, you're in this position where you're supposed to be helping people, and you're not. Your decisions are are hurting them. Like, is it that breach of trust and that contract of responsibility that's broken that he's seeing is so Probably egregious? Probably an abuse of power. Who knows? Yeah. And they, because if you notice, it's a, those two, when we get to Bloor as well, it's a sense, it is that position of power. Because mm-hmm. Bloor goes next and he's a cop who, because of his position, was the, the cause of an innocent mm-hmm. man's death. Say so in the show, too, they just made his crime a bit worse. And now you get to Lombard and Vera, which I think in the letter he writes, he was more either one of them mm-hmm. could have went. So now you have this judge who has these two people hurt, which goes back to our earlier discussion where you're arguing where she didn't know what she's doing or didn't understand. But you have a judge looking at the two of them going, these are the two worst out of this group of nine because don't mm-hmm. count himself. So either one of them could have went second. He put them at top. It was, it was a coin flip for him on which one was going to go first. So you have a guy who is responsible for the death of 21 people and this woman. He put mm-hmm. them as the same. So that's why I would argue, like, she didn't really know. She didn't understand because even if she did, she, she was there at the end. 
Um, well, I, I, I'm yourself. not saying that she didn't actually understand what she was doing. It's just that she had the mechanisms in place for herself to justify what she was doing. And she she tried to excuse it. And that's that yeah. almost makes it worse because then you think that you're operating on some kind of moral high ground and that nothing you do is wrong because you're always doing something for somebody else. Bottom line, she's yeah, crazy she, bitch. She's so crazy. So with that, let's talk about our reviews. Okay. I'm going to go first. I give this show a 10 out of 10. I thought it was amazing. I thought the photography, the scenery, the setting, the mood, the acting, even the casting was amazing. Great. And I like the way that they did a mini series with three episodes because it's a complex story where you need the time, but you also don't need to draw it out where it's like a 12, 8 to 12 episode season. So I liked it. Fantastic. I give the book. Are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. Are we ready? A <gasps> five out of five. What? You know, it's high for me. That is a coveted spot. I don't think I've given a book five out of five yet. No, you podcast. haven't. And there's been you some good not. ones. Nope. This one, fantastic. I read it in a day. Could not put it down. Loved it. Jackie? So I'm going to start with the book because that's what I did first. I read. I'm going to give the book a four out of five. This is no fault. This is no fault of the book. Um, (laughs) Fuck you, Jackie. Mel knows that I have a lot of shit going on in my life right now. And unfortunately, Mm -hmm. I was not able to devote the attention to the book that I wanted to. But maybe I pick the book up again when I finally finish reading The War of Two Queens. Um, Because that's been on the back burner. You know what? Uh, So you're admitting that you were distracted, but that one review that hated it, it seemed like they were also distracted. I think this is just one of those stories that you you can't be distracted or you're going to miss stuff. Yeah, and I, I still gave it a four out of five because the writing is good. Uh, I enjoyed the mm-hmm. interactions as clinical as they are between the characters. And I just kind of appreciate it. But it goes back to my all of my picks pretty much, except for Perks being a wallflower in my birthday month. Uh, I am a self-professed mm-hmm. Anglophile. So I appreciate the British culture and everything that goes with it. I think I, like, I think Jules is one of the most animated Brits I've ever met. Well, I have a few that are, but they're like from those other areas. Okay. They're not from London. Jules, he's like from yeah. South England too or something. Okay. So, but I really did enjoy the book and maybe I will update my rating if I read it again. You don't need to update it. Four out of five is good. That's what okay. you're feeling. Okay. For the show, however, 10 out of 10, I think that it injected a lot more feeling into the characters, a lot more background, and you got a better feeling. Obviously, having read the book first and going in to watch the show, you see a lot of things that are different from the way that they're explained in the book, but you do get a little bit more of an intimate connection with the characters. It's not just... Justice Wargrave sat down at the table and I know. Let's go through a list of the evidence. (laughs) This is what's happened so far. Let's think about this logically. Okay. 
I think that's just because in the book it's it's almost necessary, so you're not getting too, 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 yeah. super lost. So Agatha Christie's like, hey, hey, let me just lay it out yeah. to where we're at yeah. so far. Okay, you yeah. with me? Okay, moving on. <laughs> All right. Now to the finale. Do we tell you to read, watch, or DNF? I'm going to say both. And, yeah, and Do I both. agree with Mel. Uh, the book and the show will give you different perspectives or different feelings, uh, but it's essentially the same story. Mm-hmm. So just go ahead and do both. Yeah. yeah. And, and enjoy Especially it. if you like a shirtless Aiden Turner. I'll watch mm-hmm. again just for that. Uh, what do we got going on next week as we continue on with Mystery super, May? Super dark and deep. Gone, baby, gone. Gone, Baby Gone with Baby mm-hmm. Affleck. We're doing the book by Dennis Lehane? 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 I don't know. I don't know. Lehane? I don't know. I don't know how you say his name. Um, he's the one that he wrote Mystic River. If anyone's seen that mm-hmm. with Sean Penn, that was amazing. But this is part of that series uh, with the. I forget their names right now. Angie. Uh, Patrick and, Kenzie and Patrick. Angie. What is it? Yeah, something like that. or something. It's a, it's a detective series that they do, like a private investigator one. Um, yep, so we're reading that book, and we're doing the 2007 adaptation with Baby Affleck. I think Ben Affleck actually wrote and mm-hmm. directed it. Jackie and I just watched it last night. I've already read the book, so I'm just waiting on Jackie to get her shit together, and uh, that'll be next Less distractions, so I should be able to get to it. Less distractions. Next week, Gone Baby Gone. Until then. Bye. Bye.